Hey folks, welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. Whether it's your first time or you've been here since the beginning, we are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual walk and look forward to all that Christ is doing in your life. If you are looking for more information about Christ Church or you would like to connect with one of our pastors or ministry leaders, you can reach us on our website, ccgf.org. You can also connect with us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Here is this week's message. Grace and peace to you. Well, good morning. Today uh, is the first Sunday of Advent. Advent begins today. As you may have heard, we have these little devotionals that have been written to accompany the season of Advent. And we'd encourage you to pick one of these up if you haven't already done so. Five minutes, ten minutes of reading a day. Add this to your, your discipline of reading the scriptures. Church leaders have put together these devotionals thoughtfully, and we hope it will bless you and encourage you in your faith. You can get one of those out in the Minton Commons after the service. We'd love to give you one of these. Not only that, during the Advent season, we're going to be gathering right here in this room to pray on Wednesday evenings. We would love to have you join us for this. I'm going to talk about that just a little more uh, in, the ser- in the sermon, but please keep that in mind as we approach this week and the next three Wednesdays, You can gather here and pray for a very specific purpose, that the gospel would touch the hearts of the people of the world. With that in mind, let's pray and we'll go to the sermon today. Father, thank you so much for uh, this great privilege of worshiping you together as your people. And it is a privilege, Lord, that we could do so uh, in freedom. And we're grateful, Lord, that we could sing your praises and pray in faith and fellowship with one another. And enjoy your presence through it all, God. And Lord, as we do look to this Advent season, we look forward to the coming light of Jesus Christ. Remembering him who came to this earth on a mission to save his people. And we thank you, Lord, that we can be counted among those people by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, speak to us and teach us about who he is today as we look at the scriptures. I pray, Lord, you would teach us all by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I came across a Christmas survey uh, this past week. If you're familiar with Christ Church and you've heard me at all talk, you know that I really like these surveys. And so I found a Christmas survey, and, and this particular one asked respondents about their belief in four parts of the biblical Christmas story. Okay? Asked what they believe about four parts of the, the, the Christmas story. So here are the four parts. First, that an angel heralded, heralded the birth of Jesus. Second, that it was a virgin birth. Third, that the wise men were guided to baby Jesus by a star. And fourthly, that he was placed in a manger. Those were the four things that the respondents were asked about. The results reflected that a little more than 50% of Americans actually believe in all four. I was kind of surprised by that. A little more than 50%. It's actually down from 65% of respondents on the same survey in 2014. So as we have watched these trends, and you've probably heard us talk about this, there is a dip in people who identify as faithful. We see that reflected in the same survey. I thought about this survey. I think it's interesting. But as I thought about it, I had one really clear point in my mind that really is almost kind of a beef. My beef is this. I believe that ultimately, if we're talking about gauging people's spiritual dynamic, where they are with the Lord, then this survey asks the wrong questions. The question that must be asked, the key question, is this one. Who is Jesus? 
You know, in the season of Christmas, during this time of Advent, we tend to get tied up in all the circumstantial stuff. We spend a lot of time talking about, yes, the angels and the manger, the virgin birth, all things that are important. But there's something that's primary in terms of what we believe that must be addressed first, and that's the question of who is Jesus? Not what did he do? Not how did he come? I believe at the heart of the Christian faith is this question, who is Jesus? We're going to look at this question today. I believe it is one that's really important because I believe that knowing true Christmas joy, let me say that again, knowing true Christmas joy begins with the identity of Jesus. In other words, there is something here for you. You want your Christmas to be different in 2021? You want to have a different experience with God during this season? It's all rooted in, in who Jesus is. That's my, by the way, far less catchy take on Jesus is the reason for the season. I don't think that my little quote's going to come across there and, and be one that you remember. But the point is this, the identity of Jesus is, is very key to our understanding true joy at Christmas time. In fact, your understanding of who Jesus is determines your response to all the other questions. You know, was he heralded by angels? Was he laid in a manger? Did, did wise men find him by, by seeking a star? Is he born of a virgin? I believe that the, the answer to all those questions and how you answer those questions is actually determined by the first question, which is, who is Jesus? So, the Bible, of course, addresses this question. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look in particular at Philippians 2. Philippians 2, which is the most important passage, or perhaps among the most important passages in all of Scripture, regarding the nature of Jesus. That's what we're going to look at today. Now, if you were with us this past summer, we spent several weeks going through the entire book of Philippians. And, and as we considered Advent, we thought, wouldn't it be cool to go back to Philippians? Because Philippians chapter 2 really stood out to us. Verses 5 through 11, as we studied and we went into small groups and we engaged in the book of Philippians together. And two stood out to us and spoke to us as a church. And so we're going to go back to that section of text during this Christmas season. And we're going to look verse by verse during the next four Sundays at Philippians 2, at this great Christ hymn. It's an ancient hymn. You might remember us talking about this. That we have recorded in the scriptures an early song about Jesus and his nature. It's so rich and tells us about who Jesus is, no doubt. The cool thing is actually, just as an aside, here in our contemporary setting, David Ryan, who's a part of our worship team under Brad's leadership, he's written and been inspired by writing a song called Jesus, You're Gentle by Philippians 2. That was his inspiration. That was the source of the lyrics that he wrote. And so we're going to sing that song actually today in a few moments. You could make that connection. So let's go to Philippians 2. We're considering this big question at the outset of Advent. Who is Jesus? Open your Bibles. Digital Bibles, cool too. You can read along the screens. Have the word in front of you. We always encourage you. Use that connect card. Make some notes on the back. Ask some questions and dig for yourself into what God is saying through his word. Okay, so picking up in the scripture that David just taught us, which I'm going to totally mess with you on because I'm going to read from a different translation. David taught you the verse from, from the NIV. Today, I'm going to actually read from the ESV when we're reading from Philippians 2. So let's look at it now. Philippians 2 verses 5 and 
and 6. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Okay, so we're considering who Jesus is. And we're going to get into some heady territory here for a few minutes. And I want you to look at this, this scripture phrase by phrase. Again from the ESV. Let's put it back on the screens, please. Uh, Philippians 2. Let's look at particularly verse 6. And here's what it says. Though he was in the form of God. In the form of God. Meaning... That he was like God, perhaps, right? That's what some would, some, some would say, what well, means that he was like God? As in, hey, has anyone ever told you that you look like so-and-so? Is that what this passage is saying? There are some today who would say, well, that's what it means. They're saying that Jesus wasn't God, but he was like God. By the way, I'm not saying that. That's what some people in our culture would say today. They would say that Jesus was an outstanding person. A superfluous person, right? A person of, of renown, like Gandhi. Someone who was more enlightened than most other men. A very good man. Is that what the scripture is saying when it says that, that Jesus came in the form of God? That he was a good man? An outstanding person? Or, or does it mean that Jesus is divine? Jesus has divine nature. That he is God himself. You know, David just referenced, as he was leading us in worship, the Nicene Creed. We just read or recited together the Apostles' Creed. And as David pointed, on the first Sunday of each month, a communion Sunday, we always go to the Nicene Creed. If you consider the Nicene Creed, I believe it speaks to this question of, what does it mean that Jesus was in the form of God? Is it that he's just like God? Someone who was an outstanding person, or does it mean it's divine? Let's look at the Nicene Creed, written in 325, by the way. We're talking about something ancient. Hundreds upon hundreds of years old, lots of church history here. It answers the question, here's what a section of the Nicene Creed says. It says, I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God. Light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father. What does it mean that Jesus came and he was, he was in the form of God? Well, we hear an answer here. He was begotten, not made. That means uh, that, that like this, sons are begotten, sons and daughters are begotten. That's what it means to be the son or the daughter of a father, begotten. But this is a supernatural begetting that's happening and taking place in, 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 this, in this instance. There was a, never a time when Christ was not. Never. He existed at the, at the creation of the world. In the beginning, Jesus was there. God was there. In the beginning, God was there and so was his son Jesus. This is a supernatural begetting. And so that's why it says that Jesus was begotten, not made. And it says, very God, a very God. In other words, true God. God the Father is true God. God the Son is true God. Jesus is divine. That's our answer to the question. When the scripture says that, that he was in the form of God, it's saying that he is in very nature God. He is true God. God the Father is true God. God the Son is true God. This is foundational. 
to understanding the miracle of Christmas. This is foundational to entering into this season of Advent and really coming to grips with the fact that Jesus is the reason for the season. So, you might say, okay, but is it really saying, is the scripture you just read from, from Philippians 2, is it really saying that Jesus is God? Well, check the context. If you don't believe what I'm saying here about what, what it means and, and we connect it to the Nicene Creed, then, then look at the context. It says that though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Equality with God. Well, equality with God would be what? Sameness with God. Sameness with God. Consider that in connection to form of God. Equality of God is sameness with God, meaning that he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He came in the form of God. Equality of God informs what we know about him being in the form of God. And he didn't consider it a thing to be grasped. Is that to mean that he didn't consider godliness something to be reached for? Is that what it means to be grasped? As if it was out of his reach and he was trying to reach it or he wasn't going to try to reach it? Is that what it means? Or does it mean that he doesn't consider it to be something to be laid hold of, to take and, and hold on to? Well, if you look at verse 7, you'll see what it means because the scripture interprets it for us. Because at the very beginning of verse 7, the scripture says, but he emptied himself. In other words, he didn't hold on to it. He wasn't just reaching for it. He has godliness. He is in the form of God. But yet, he let go of it. He emptied himself. He didn't consider equality with God something to be held on to, to be grasped. Jesus is God. So the form of God, for us, is equality with God. And that doesn't come from Christ church. That comes from the scriptures. Equality with God. He was in the form of God. Who is Jesus? I believe that we see in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and particularly 6, that he is God. I'll give you a couple verses to look at as we consider this question of who is Jesus. I believe amplify this and, and, and help to complement what the scripture says in Philippians 2. Look at Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. It says this, it says, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. How about that as a summary of who Jesus is? Because in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. In other words, equality with God. Fullness of deity. Of course his birth was announced by angels. He's God. Jesus is God. We're looking at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says this, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purifications for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Did you catch that one phrase there? I love it. It says that he is, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of his being. Jesus is the exact imprint of other words. Of God. He is in the form of God. 
Now there's more. As we consider this big question, who is Jesus? And again, I'm saying to us that this is important for our understanding of all of Christmas, of all of Advent. There's more that the Bible has to say about the identity of Jesus. For instance, I'd point you to the first chapter of the Gospel of John. You can turn there with me now. John 1. And John 1 is certainly among the most beautifully authored literature in the history of the world. It's incredible. And it's also very theologically rich. Let's look at just the first four verses as we consider and wrestle with this question. By the way, you're getting an apologetic here from the scriptures. An apologetic that helps us understand when people say, well, how do I know that, that Jesus is God? Who says that? The scripture says it very clearly, not just in one place, in multiple places. Look at John 1, verses 1 through 4. Who is Jesus, okay? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Really quickly, there are three things. And by the way, we could never, ever understand this, this incredible statement about who Jesus is um, in a short period of time like this. There's no doubt about that. But it doesn't stop us from at least trying to dig into it and at least skim the surface of this. I'll point out to you three elements that we see here in terms of Jesus' identity in just these first four verses of the book of John. The first one is this, Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, capital W. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Have you ever looked at someone and said, boy, I wonder what they're thinking? That's happened to you, right? You've seen a picture or you see an, another image of someone somewhere, or you're just looking across the room in a waiting room, and you think, I wonder what that person's thinking. That's an interesting exercise. And, and we need words to articulate thoughts. We, we need words to reveal our hearts and minds. Well, when the Scripture says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's really mysterious language. It's a hard thing to understand. What's the Word? Well, Jesus is the Word, and Jesus is God's Word to reveal the heart and mind of God to us. We know what God is thinking. Through Jesus, the heart, the passion, the love, the thinking of God is revealed to us in bodily form. He, Jesus, this is a big word, was incarnate. He is the incarnate word of God. Jesus says this later in the book of John. Jesus says, he that has seen me has seen the Father. Some of you know that verse by heart. Jesus is the incarnate word. He reveals the heart and the mind of God to us. And how does he do that? Well, through the miraculous virgin birth that we've already referenced. He was heralded by angels. He was placed in a manger. Jesus took on sinless human nature. And he identified with every element of our lives from, from birth to death. So the word isn't some abstract concept. The word is a real person, Jesus Christ, who could be seen and touched 
and heard. Jesus is eternal. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus is distinct from God the Father, yet one with Him. He was with God. Jesus is very God. The Word was God. You see, who is Jesus? Jesus is God. And He is not just some abstract representation of God. He is a physical expression of the heart and mind of God. Of John 3.16, which says, God so loved the world, they sent his one and only son. He's that representation. Jesus is the word. Let's keep going. Okay, the second thing that I would tell you that's addressed here in John 1, in terms of who is Jesus, his identity, is this. Jesus is our maker. Listen to what scripture says. Through him all things were made, Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus wasn't created. Begotten, not made, remember? Jesus is the creator. And all that is created, all that is created, is created by and through Jesus. I want to connect this to another New Testament passage. In the book of Colossians, there's a a passage here that, that speaks to this. If you look at Colossians 1, verses 15 through through 18, it says more about Jesus, our maker. Look at this with me, okay? So Colossians 1, 15 through 18. All this to consider who is Jesus. What's his identity? The Son is the image of the invisible God. There we go again, right? He is the physical representation of God. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him... All things were created. We just heard that. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he may have supremacy. Okay, so Jesus, we learned an important thing here. Not only is everything created by him and through him, but we see right here in verse 16, everything has been created for him. Jesus is our maker. And everything's been created by him, yes. Everything's been created through him, yes. But everything also has been created for him. Everything exists to display the greatness of Jesus Christ. His supremacy. As it says in Colossians 1 verse 18. His supremacy. Nothing exists for itself. No person exists for himself or herself. The reason that we have life and breath is to exalt God. To glorify God. To to bring about his supremacy and be a display of his greatness. That is why it's such a big deal that we consider that that Jesus is our maker. We have purpose inherent in the fact that we are his creation. That he made us. And so from the ocean floor to the highest mountain peak. From the tiniest particle to the biggest star. To the most obnoxious and infuriating mosquito. To the loveliest person. Everything in between. Everything exists for the glory and the greatness and the supremacy of Jesus Christ. 
Everything exists to make the greatness of Christ more fully known. Including you. Including you. Including you. Including you. Including those worshiping at home. Including me. We exist for God. Not only are we created by him and through him, but we are being created for him. For his glory. You have purpose inherent in the big question of who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? He's our maker. And because he's our maker, because we were made through him, by him, for him, our life has purpose. Your existence has purpose in Jesus. So Jesus is the word. Jesus is our maker. And finally, if you look back again at, at one, John 1, we see this, that, that Jesus is the light. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The coming of Jesus into the world was like the dawning of a new day. You ever seen a beautiful sunrise? Jesus is the greatest, most beautiful, most vibrant sunrise that's ever taken place. He is the light. There's an there's a old hymn that we sing at Christmas time that I love. One of my favorite Christmas songs, O Holy Night. It says, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. A dawning of a new day through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the light. Think about this. Creation began. Creation began with these words. Let there be light. As new creations in Jesus. And that's what the scripture tells us. That if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. She is a new creation. As new creations, our life begins with the entrance of the light of Jesus in our lives, in our hearts. But here's the problem. The problem is that people either love the light or they love the darkness. They love the light or they love the darkness. You would think that people in spiritual darkness would welcome the light, but it's not so. And, and in fact, 1 John again, John 1 rather, speaks to this. Look at verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. You see, the, the, the powers of darkness in the world, the power of darkness that, that lives in humanity resists the light, combats the light, wants to oppose the light. Those of you who love the light, there are many here who love the light, you desire for your family, for your friends, for leaders in the community, for the world to come to know the light. That they wouldn't reject the light. That they would actually recognize it. That they would receive him rather than reject him. This is why we're, we're getting together and praying on Wednesday nights. Once again, we'll be right here this Wednesday and the next two Wednesdays after that to pray together as a people. You know what we're praying for? We're praying that the light of Jesus Christ particularly during this Advent season, would burst through to the hearts of people everywhere. The people would know the light. That the darkness would no longer in the hearts of many overcome the light. But that the light, as it's spoken of, will overcome the darkness. We're praying for that end to come to, to the lives of people. We're praying for people to know Jesus as the light of the world. The light continues to shine. The light will always shine. 
But, but the question for anyone who hears this today is this. Have you personally received the light? Have you personally received the light? Consider again John 1, one last verse, verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, Jesus the light, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you become a, a child of God? Have you received the light of Jesus in your life? Are you walking in darkness? Are you fumbling around in the, in the darkness? Jesus is the light. Jesus is our maker. We have purpose in him. There's great purpose for you. You were created by him and through him and for him. Jesus is the word. He is a physical expression of God's heart and his mind for the world. Jesus indeed is, is God's son. He came in the form of God. Not just like him. He is God. And yet he didn't consider that to be something to be grasped or held on to. He emptied himself. It's an incredible truth. It's an incredible truth, but you may be wondering, you sit there, well, why does this all matter? What does this really have to do with Christmas? What does this have to do with life? Let me tell you a story. So there is a, a woman from the church um, who was on hospice home care. And of course, when you're in hospice home care, um, that's a dire situation. And this particular woman had gone through a very difficult time. She was incredibly sick. She was very frail, less than 100 pounds. And, and she spent most of her time just sleeping. She was heavily sedated because of the pain that she was in. And her family had asked if, if I would come and, and visit with her and pray for her. So, of course, I said I would do that. Somehow, along the way, I had learned that she really loved the old hymns. So I prayed for her. I read some scriptures and she was, she was lying very still during this time. I didn't see the, the whites of her eyes at all during that time. But something kind of grabbed me. I'm always looking for an opportunity to sing. And uh, I started to sing an old hymn. And you know, it was interesting. As I sang, which I believe it was, um, It Is Well With My Soul. As I sang that hymn, just sitting by this woman's bedside, suddenly she stirred and sat up. She hadn't moved the whole time. But when I sang that song, she stirred and she sat up and she looked at me and she sang along with me as we sang together, It Is Well With My Soul, followed by another hymn or two. And it was so powerful. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, surely Jesus is the light. Surely Jesus is the word. Surely Jesus is our maker. Surely Jesus is the son of God who causes the terminally ill to sing with joy. Who, who causes the, the, the hope, the hopeless rather, to have hope. Who brings peace and forgiveness to the broken. Surely Jesus is. Not too long after that moment with that woman, she passed away. And she passed away with great peace. And her family, I witnessed them, they, they mourned with great peace. And the reason that they mourned with peace, the reason that she passed with peace is because they know that Jesus is the word. God's great, grand statement to the world about his love, 
and his purpose for humanity. Jesus is the maker. There's, there's meaning. We exist for Jesus. Jesus is the light. A light that is symbolized by the candle of hope on our Advent wreath this morning. Jesus is. Listen, this question that we're entertaining here today, this question about the identity of Jesus, isn't meant to be fodder for debate. It's not just an interesting conversation to be had. It's meant to be personal. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? I believe that there's no more important question during this Christmas season than for you to consider. Who is Jesus? I believe that that right now, God is inviting several of you to discover who Jesus is for the first time. Listen, I'll lead you in that prayer. In fact, we would love to pray for you as a congregation. There are are going to be people in just a few moments at the back of the room here. There are people online who would love to pray with you. Is God beckoning you? Is he calling you? Is he inviting you to discover who Jesus is this season? I'll lead you to prayer again, but but you can go and pray with someone and say, listen, I, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he's the light of the world. I believe he's my maker. I believe he's the word. And I want to pray. We'd love to make that personal with you. You could do that today as we sing a closing song. Take the faith. Take the faith to get up out of your seat. You'll never regret going to pray and receive Jesus and step into the light. And I believe there's many others. There's only people here who have never really considered who is Jesus, who've never settled in their life. There are others who, who intellectually can answer the question. You can answer the question, who is Jesus? You have a biblical answer. You could articulate, you've sat in church long enough to know what you're supposed to say when someone asks that question. Yet, you live a life that's disconnected from the reality, from the person of Jesus Christ. Your thought life doesn't reflect that you walk with him. Your actions don't reflect that you know him. And so I'd ask you to consider this. Who is Jesus? Are you following him? Is it more than just an intellectual thing for you? Are you truly seeking him in your day-to-day life? Not only on Sunday morning, but every day. I believe this. God is beckoning you. If that's you, God is beckoning you to follow Jesus. I'd love to lead you in that prayer. That prayer and care team would love to, to pray over you in that way. You can take that step of faith today and go and pray. Listen, there is no greater truth as we enter into the season of Advent than that of the identity of Jesus Christ. He is God. God's only Son. The very essence of God. He existed from the creation of the world. There's never a time when He did not exist. He is very God of very God. And yet... He emptied himself of that and took on our sins, your sins, so that we could be reconciled to God. He's the light that shines in the darkness. Jesus is our maker. We have purpose in him, created by him, created through him, and we have purpose in him. And he is absolutely God's word. He is the word. God's grand statement to all the world for all time 
about his heart and his mind for humanity. May we all know who true Jesus truly is during this Advent season. I do want to pray with you. I'd ask you to bow your heads and ask you to consider this great truth of who Jesus is, the hope that comes through him and him alone. Oh, Father, we do thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that, that though he was in the very form of God, they didn't consider equality with you something to be grasped or held on to. But instead, he emptied himself. Born in a manger. Gave his life on a cross. And rose again to new life. Oh Lord, we believe that your scripture clearly shows us and teaches us. Your Holy Spirit reveals to us the truth that Jesus is God. Your only begotten Son, not made. We thank you, Lord, that he is the only acceptable sacrifice for our sins. And so we come before you today and we say we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And as we begin this Advent season, this Christmas time, we seek to know him and know him more. Oh God, if there's anyone here this morning, and I believe, Lord, that you're inviting many to discover who Jesus is for the first time. I pray, Lord, that they in their hearts and their minds would simply say to you, Oh God, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he's God. And I believe that he paid for my sins. Oh God, teach me to follow Jesus. God, strengthen me to live a life that glorifies his name. Thank you, Lord, for the light of Jesus that shines in the darkness. I pray, Lord, that you would teach me to live for him, for his supremacy, for his greatness. Thank you, God, for this great statement through Jesus, the Word who became flesh. I believe in Jesus and trust in him with all my heart. Thank you, Lord, for those who are praying that prayer even now. Thank you, Lord, for those who are saying, yes, Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. So, Lord, I know there are others who desire to follow Jesus more faithfully. In light of the fact that he is God, I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen them in light of their maker to live for Jesus, to live for his glory and his supremacy and his greatness to be on display through all things. Teach us, God, to do that. Teach us, Lord, to live for Jesus. Strengthen us by your spirit, Lord, to bring you glory. God, we do thank you for the word. It became flesh. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus who's our maker, created by him, created through him, created for him. And we pray, Lord, that his light would dawn in our hearts and all around the world during this Christmas season. Thank you, Lord. We praise you and we worship you in Jesus' name.
Amen.